0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. Broadcasting from our flagship studios in Tampa Bay, you've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks so much for tuning in to I I Work For Him today as we deal with the battle in a workplace, do you work in a toxic workplace? Is your life being impacted by the negative toll being placed upon your back every time you go to work? Is it hard for you to get up and go to work because it takes so much out of you? Do you find yourself getting angry more often? Taking your work stress home with you? As a Christ follower, what can you do about this? How can you rise above a toxic workplace and still make a kingdom impact? Well, today we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Paul White. He's an author, he's a speaker, and he wrote this incredible book, which is phenomenally full of incredible life examples, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, Taking Care of Yourself in an Unhealthy Environment. Dr. Paul White, welcome to I Work For Him.
1: Hey, thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, we're so thrilled to have you in here. And you had a couple of guys help you with this book. Uh, Gary Chapman, some people may have heard of him. He wrote this book called The Five Love Languages. Uh, And Harold Myra, how did you guys work together to do this book? I mean, those are some big names all coming together in one book. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd call them guys. I mean, uh, a couple of just, uh, you know, sort of stars. But um, well, uh, Dr. Chapman and I had worked together previously on uh, applying the five love languages to the workplace and came out with the book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And then uh, the three of us actually got together to write a a fable version of the five languages of appreciation called "Sink or Swim, S-Y-N-C or Swim. And Harold, who's the former CEO of Christianity, day for like 30 years and he's written a bunch of Christian fiction uh, came and helped us with that project and then in the midst of that we uh, we worked together on this and it was it was a delightful time there I mean they're they're great men and great gentlemen and it was just a privilege to, to be able to work with them mm,
0: and that is phenomenal I did not know that that's what Harold's background was but of course everybody knows Gary Chapman he has helped us certainly I think he's helped all of us men in marriages <laughs> do a better job because of helping understand the love language of saying, I don't know where our marriage would be. If not for that, let me ask you this question, Paul. I, I know we're going to talk about your book, rising above a toxic workplace, but I want to just talk about your relationship with the Lord. What aspect of you are you hoping that the Lord will mold more completely to look more like Jesus when it comes to 2017?
1: Well, Jim, you know, the, the thing that I have become aware of and, and focusing on is, um, doing the work before me. Uh, I don't have a problem with a work ethic. I'm a pretty hard worker, but uh, but trusting God for the results and, you know, just not worrying about the results, uh, trying to, you know, follow and lead where he's leading and serve those people that he brings to me and then uh, not try to make results happen and just, you know, let him bear the fruit. And so that's the, the challenge before me this year.
0: It's good to hear you say that you struggle with it because I got to tell you, that's something I struggle with all the time. Worrying about where, where's the provision going to come from? And, and God just says, listen, just wait, just trust, put your hope in me. I got this. Would you just relax, just rest in my presence? But yet I struggle with that because I'm a doer, just like it sounds like you're a doer.
1: Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, God throughout the Old Testament and Christ in the New Testament, you know, one of the major messages they gave to us was to, to not fear. And so we just got to work on that.
0: We're talking today with Dr. Paul White. He's an author and a speaker. We're talking about his phenomenal book that I read twice in the last three years, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, Taking Care of Yourself in an Unhealthy Environment. You know, Paul, I, I picked out a verse for us, Isaiah 60, uh, verse 60, Now it's 60, verse one and two, excuse me, rise up and shine for your light has come. The shining greatness of the Lord has risen upon you for see darkness will cover the earth. Much darkness will cover the people, but the Lord will rise above you, rise upon you, and his shining greatness will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings will see the shining greatness of the Lord on you. And when I think about a toxic workplace and a Christ follower, in a toxic workplace, I think, okay, it's a toxic workplace. And you talk about all kinds of ways for people to deal with that, but we are a light in those that's toxic right. workplaces. And and sometimes it's difficult, but yet we may be the only ones that could ever overcome
1: that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, and that's a, two great encouraging uh verses because I mean, part of, what I do uh, and how I got here was to uh, try to use the skills and training and experience that God's given me to be able to help uh, believers and followers of Christ in the workplace. Be able to show the love of Christ practically. And that's really what the five language of appreciation is about. But then also, like you're saying here, how to be uh, an agent for change and health and, and maybe even sort of a, you know, uh, a rock on which somebody can, can uh, grab onto and be rescued from uh, really some nasty uh, circumstances.
0: You know, let's take some time just to define what it really means to be a, a, for a toxic workplace. So give us your description of a toxic workplace.
1: Well, what we came up with and, and the way this happened was uh, I would go out and speak about the five languages, appreciation and uh, to Leadership groups and Christian business leaders and secular ones. And uh, at breaks and afterwards, people would come up and start telling me really negative stories about their workplace. And they'd say, This would never work at my workplace. And they'd tell me, you know, what a jerk their boss was. And uh, initially, I was somewhat shocked about it. And then uh, wound up uh, doing some research. We have a, a newsletter we sent out. We've got about 75,000 people on that. And asked them to tell us if they had any stories. And we got hundreds and hundreds of stories um, and wound up sorting through those and then following up with people and interviewing some and uh, and having them write fuller things. And so we sort of compiled ba- um, basically people's stories and then took those both to to Dr. Chapman and to Harold Myra and myself, as well as some other uh, business leaders and said, you know, w- w- what what kind of advice can we offer here? And so th- that's how it happened. And, and uh, I'll just real quickly, three main points that we found out, and it's interesting, we actually sort of found this out even after the book. And that's what I speak on is toxic workplaces are made up of sick systems, meaning just the structure of the place isn't healthy. Poor communication, uh, lack of uh, holding people responsible and following through, and poor decision-making uh, procedures. Secondly, toxic leaders. Um, and they don't have to be at the top of the organization. To, uh, they can be in mid-level and throughout. And then third, uh, dysfunctional colleagues, people that just aren't healthy in how they're approaching life. And when you have those three factors sort of uh, combining together, it can be a really nasty workplace.
0: And when you look at the impact, and you said, hey, toxic leaders, they could be anywhere in the organization. And it's amazing when there is somebody toxic in an organization, they're ooze as i like to call it they're you know it they're they're goo that comes out of them it, it's it's like a sticky substance that starts to tear the shine off of everybody around them it's kind of like uh like gooby gone takes the rust off of a, a, mm-hmm. a of an old wheelbarrow those kinds of things can just start taking you know the finish off of us because right. of the the ick coming out of these people
1: right yeah and and a key part that we differentiate is that we're not talking about incompetent leaders, people that just, you know, aren't good at what they do or they need more training. These people are, are, pretty nasty people themselves, and they uh, are all about themselves, and they're really harmful to the people around them. And so that's different than somebody just doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, these people uh, are there for themselves.
0: Paul, as we're talking about your book, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, we're going to give away a couple of copies after the bottom of the half hour. But I found what I love about a book is it's always great to hear Hey, here's a guy's opinion and here's some facts about things. What I love is stories because it helps me dot the I's and cross the T's. It helps me get a picture of what you're talking about. And you did a phenomenal job. I read a lot of books. I read five or six books a month for the show and I, and I've read some great books and I've read some. Books that maybe aren't so great. And I loved this book because first of all, it was a super easy read because it was enjoyable from one end to the other. Not enjoyable topic. Right. We're talking about tough stuff, dealing with toxic workplaces, but I love the fact that you gave me examples. Here's what it looks like. Here's what I can do. So let's just talk about that in, in our in this segment. I really want to talk about how do we avoid becoming unhealthy because of a toxic workplace? I really think that's important because this is this is a battlefield.
1: Right, right. You're right. And thanks, Jim, for, for your your compliments on the book. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's important to understand. It's sort of like the microcosm of life that as we become adults, we have to learn that, hey, if I don't take care of myself, really nobody else is going to. Our mom's not around <laughs> anymore to wipe her nose or, you know, cook chicken soup for us or whatever. And so one of the key things in a any kind of workplace, but especially as they get tougher and negative and ultimately toxic, is you have to sort of back up and take care of yourself. Because one of the characteristics of a toxic workplace is that it's just always demanding and taking from you. And it will continue to take and take and eat you up until you die, either not necessarily physically, although that might happen, but as a person, uh, and also sort of emotionally, and you start to have physical problems. And so if you don't set some boundaries about what you're willing or not willing to do for the business, for the organization, for the ministry, and it includes ministries, uh, then it will just sort of, you know, Keep gobbling you up, and you and and something bad will happen. So, you've got to learn to take care of yourself. Um, and part of that is listening to the signs that your body's saying to you if you're losing sleep, if you're uh, you know, gaining weight, if you're having major health problems, headaches all the time, you've got to listen and say, Hey, something's not right here, and then listen to those around you as well, whether it's family or friends that say, Man, that sounds like a nasty place, you know, is there anything you do about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so good that. We learn how to identify that. And, and that's why it's so key to have a mentor in our life, uh, people that are close that can that, that know what it looks like when we're when we're having a pretty good day, and then they, they can notice when things are wrong. In 2010, I had a job as a consultant for a, a business, and I went to go meet with my doctor because I said, hey, I'm not feeling good. And he takes my blood pressure, and he takes my pulse, and my blood pressure was up 40 points on both sides. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Jim, Holy smokes. You need to quit that job. All right. and, and I did. I quit that job and my, my pulse went, everything went back to normal. And, well, normal for me. I'm a pretty high paced guy, but it is amazing how living in a toxic environment can impact your health. I mean, I have seen people that, that it absolutely. Well, look at our presidents, look at every president, every one of them, they talk about toxic environment. That's tough, tough work. Everyone goes in. A lot of times they have dark hair and they come out, All right. All right. they have white hair. I mean, Barack Obama went in and he had dark hair and his hair was almost white when he went out, left the, the office. It was amazing. Uh, but that's what that toxic environment does. It's constantly attacking everything about your body.
1: And not only our body, but also you're going to start to see it in your relationships, Um this would never happen to you or me, but you know if we get stressed we might start to bark at our wives or snap at people uh, and uh, uh, you know we start to see that or we're just um, you know irritable with everybody short um, or we get anxious we want to withdraw and so besides physically, we start to see, you know, the impact on our relationships and how those aren't going well, uh, both at work and outside of work.
0: Mm. My uh, my wife is listening to us today, and and she's laughing as you Mm -hmm. said those things that we might sometimes (laughs) bark. uh, There is no question. It seems like we could do really good all day long with all kinds of people everywhere. And then when we go home, we let down all of our guard and all of the ugliness we've been fighting out all day long seems to come out and vomit onto our spouses or our kids if our kids are still at home. So it's okay. I'm sorry, honey. I love you. All right. So let's talk about, you know, a lot of us have worked for people that we loved them when we worked for them. And then all of a sudden something snapped and they became a toxic leader. Let's just talk to that really quickly. What can turn somebody into a toxic leader?
1: Well, as I define it, um, I don't I would say that. A toxic leader really has probably been that way for a while or fighting it, but when they lose especially i mean if they're a follower of Christ they lose focus about who god is and who's in control and they're trying to make things happen and and really it's all about them ultimately a toxic leader is pretty narcissistic fancy word to mean they only think about themselves and so whatever good happens is because of them whatever bad happens is because of somebody else and you're trying to ruin their life and they will take credit for things that other people did they will skate when they make mistakes. Uh, they will use people and manipulate. And uh, it's all about results for them. And that could be you know, fame, you know, sort of people thinking well about them or money or sort of achievement. And so uh, sometimes something happens and, you know, they get afraid and they start to head that way. Um, but it's it. it, it rarely i would say at least the kind of people i'm talking about it doesn't just happen i mean you're going to see sort of foreshadowing of it and then it maybe gets really intense all of a sudden
0: does the peter principle ever come into
1: play there well, it can, but but I think, and the Peter Principle meaning that people sort of rise within an organization sort of beyond their capabilities. Yeah, it can, but here's the deal about toxic leaders. They uh, are typically, they look good initially because they have some skills, uh, but after a while, it becomes evident that they're all about them. And there's sort of this Rotating door around them, uh, because people just can't stand to, to work with them, um, or they hook people in through deceit and sort of get them tied in there. Uh, I, I don't think it's so much uh, a cause for the peer principle It can obviously kind of add stress, but. Sure. but- I I think the thing we have to do again, you have to understand when you're dealing with a toxic leader, you have to take care of yourself because they will take advantage of you. Um and if something bad goes down, you're gonna be blamed and you may lose your job. So you sorta of, with these people you've gotta document uh what's going on, have other people present in an important meeting so it's not just your work versus theirs. Um and and then the other part that goes along with this is what I, you know, we call dysfunctional, uh, um, colleagues. And those are people that basically DYS problem with functioning. There's some major aspect in their life that they just have major problems with. And it usually relates to accepting responsibility for their choices. They blame. They're good at making excuses. They're also good at getting other people to fight. Um, and in the process of this, after writing the book, we developed a, a training uh, kit, the videos, and uh, and um, handouts, and so forth, for organizations on how to avoid becoming a toxic workplace. And I go and speak on that, as well as some other pamphlets about how to know when to quit. And uh, um, how to avoid being hired by a turkey. Toxic workplace.
0: Hey, we're talking today with Dr. Paul White. He's written this book that we're talking about today, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, Taking Care of Yourself in an Unhealthy Environment. I want to deal with two questions before we have you go today. I want to provide, first of all, how, what are some tips of how listeners can survive in a toxic environment and be an influence for christ and then how much is enough when should we start looking for a job because that's the battle in my head as i was reading your book i'm like okay i understand a toxic workplace but we we serve an almighty god and the power of prayer is amazing and how do we how do we battle our our calling with our health how do we battle our our call to our workplace which is a mission field with our with the battle of a it's
1: killing me Great. So uh, I would say one of the key lessons I learned uh, in helping people in the toxic workplace is you've got to be committed to speaking the truth in love. And in Christian uh, organizations, or sometimes just for us as Christians, we either have a hard time speaking the truth, um, whereas we don't say something, or we sort of, you know, distort it a little bit or twist it a little bit, uh, or saying it in love. Uh, Now, I lived in the, the South for a while. I lived in Atlanta for a while. And my, my you know good Southern friends and brothers and sisters, they have more of a tendency to not speak the truth, uh, that they'll just sort of slide around. It's, they're very loving and kind about it, and you may hear about it later. Whereas, and I've lived in Chicago and upper Midwest, where they'll beat you up with the truth, you know, and they're sort of very blunt about it. And we need to have a balance of not, you know, sort of letting things go uh, unsaid that need to be said or speaking falsehoods, but doing it in a way that's of benefit to the other person.
0: Well, is dealing with a toxic leader, the, do you deal with a toxic leader the same way you deal with a bully? Because what I found in my life is the minute you dealt with a bully and you just got, you know, I, I, I had an insurance agency for a number of years, a little over a decade and a half. And when I had a customer that just got irate and started just being unreasonable, I would just get right back in their face and saying, Hey, you're wrong, blah, blah, whatever the case was, I get right back, I give them exactly what they're giving me, and they'd be a customer for life. It is,
1: if you're dealing with a toxic leader, can you no. can you right get right back
0: into them and succeed that way, or does it not nope,
1: work? Nope, 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 because they're going to set up the fight in a way that they are going to win. They may not win this fight, but they're going to win the you know the battle or the war, and you're going down. Uh, and so, do not yeah, don't you know it's not like they're going to you know necessarily physically get you, but they will get you. And it's better to figure out a plan of how to get out uh, alive and relatively healthy. Um, and so. Part of, of doing that is you, when you're in a toxic workplace, you start to think not clearly. I um, things you're sort of fogged and you thought, oh man, I thought this was true, but apparently it's not. It, it very well may be true. You need uh, wise, godly counsel in your life. You need to listen to your spouse. You need to listen to other friends and um, you know, counselors, not professionally, but just people that can give you input and feedback and say, you know, that's not really the way things should be, because if you don't get that, then you start to really distort things, and you're off in their world as well. So um, it's, it's important to have um, good, healthy people around you and keep them involved in your life.
0: Dr. Paul White, thanks so much for coming on iWork for him and talking today about your book, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace. You know, Martha, that really was a fun, moving conversation, very fast moving conversation with Paul White today. I mean, it was, it was very incredible.
2: Yes. And I think that um, all of us and the listeners and you and I, you know, there's so much that we can relate to and the things that he has to say and putting ourselves in um, a position to ask some questions about where we are.
0: And sometimes those questions are a little painful. I mean, when you ask those questions, man. when I was preparing for the show, uh, I I, I put some questions down for us to talk about because we knew that Paul could only be on for half of the show. And I knew that we'd have a conversation afterwards. And and, and I think of, you know, I, I look at let's just take a look at parents, our parents, toxic workplaces as kids. Could we as kids identify when our parents got sucked into a toxic workplace? And, and I would say the answer for me would be absolutely. There were some times uh, my mom was a substitute school teacher for, <laughs> for 13, 13 years. And, and they actually had to create a union because the substitute teachers got treated so badly, not only by the students, which of course we all treated substitute teachers poorly, we but also, nice. uh, but also by the teachers union, they got just treated like second class citizens, even though most of the substitute teachers had teacher certificates, but just not valid in Minnesota where I grew up. And, and it was a rough environment for her. And, but when she'd come home, she'd tell stories over dinner. It, we'd laugh our heads off because it was just great. Whether be milk snorting out of our noses because it was so funny. The, the, the Do you think pranks, it was
2: funny to your mom, though? I don't know.
0: I encourage my mom to write a book about her days as a substitute school teacher, and she never did. She should have. It would have been a bestseller.
2: But I think you're definitely right. As a kid in a home, um, you definitely can feel what your parents bring home at the end of the day um or what they've experienced wherever they've been um and whether it you may not be able to put words to it and say wow they work in a toxic work environment but knowing that what they're experiencing isn't good and that boy you hope you don't end up in that same position which might be why there's so many millennials saying jeepers i don't want to work in corporate america or, Do you really I, think I don't want jeepers? Oh yeah, they probably do. Probably they go, not. They go. Uh, oh, there's some price. Some slang word.
0: <laughs> it's probably an abbreviation of something. But did you know? I, I think of hashtag.
2: Uh, no, yeah, it'd be a hashtag
0: something. <laughs> ha- hashtag. Why in the world are you putting uh, up with that garbage?
2: I think I'm really sounding stupid right now. That's okay. They're not listening, so
0: it's okay. <laughs> uh, but so. but it is. You know, I look at my dad's workplace. He had a workplace he worked in where he could never ask any questions. Mm-hmm. It was what it was. It was a big corporation. It was what it was. If he didn't like it, tough. But. He couldn't ask questions.
2: How stifling that would be. And he
0: had a boss that was absolutely brutal to him all the time. He'd call at at home at the end of the day, late in the day, and he just was, I don't know. He was one of those guys like Eddie Haskell, but he was old. He was always really nice to everybody in the family, but he really wasn't very nice to my dad. What about your parents? Did either of them, that you remember working in a toxic... Your dad worked for himself for so many years.
2: Yeah, I hope he would say that his own workplace wasn't toxic, but um, I... You know, I'm just trying to think. I mean had my, that job
0: and we were married just got married that it was a little yeah, tough on. Him. There
2: were some there was I think so. But I and I think that one of the things my parents brought home with them was the, the learning, like the talk about it, you know, not just rant and rave. They weren't those kind of people, but they shared, um, you know, that it was really hard. But what they were doing was what they were doing in order to make a living at that time and support and, the family and support yeah. the family. And that was what God called them to do in that season. So, yeah, they, I, I think I would venture to guess that almost everyone in America has worked in a toxic workplace at one time or another and either gotten out of it or helped to change the culture within it or risen above it like the book talks about.
0: Well, the reason I asked the question about the kids is that I, I see... I wrote a blog a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. that, that uh, I think it came out the, like the 3rd of February or something like that, that, that just said, okay, how do you know when you've had enough... And you should be leaving your toxic workplace. I mean, because I I wrote a blog the week before that to said, "Hey, toxic workplaces are an opportunity for us to really um, bright, be bright and uh, uh, shiny for the Lord." To mean to really be a light in a dark place, Mm -hmm. and all the different opportunities we've got to be an encourager and things like that. But there's a certain point in time where, in your head, you snap, and all of a sudden, your kids can tell that you're working in a toxic workplace. I mean, some. Uh, you you'd talk to kids and they'd say, oh, my mom never complained you know, a lot. You talk to a lot of kids who grew up in single mom homes, single parent homes. And they're like, My mom never complained. She worked three jobs. Right. But there are times when you know that it's time to move on and free your own future when your kids are going, mommy, why are you angry all the time? Mm. Mommy, why do you look so sad? You know, why are you throwing up on Sunday nights before <laughs> work on Monday? Whatever it may be. I, I mean, our kids are pretty intuitive. They may not know what's going on, but they know something's wrong. Right. So I just thought that was a a good conversation. So if you're in one of those places where you're not sure whether you're toxic or in a toxic workplace or not,
2: ask your kids. (laughs) Or the people around you, closest to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, because if it starts to impact you, uh, you know, you start to have arguments with your boss or your toxic coworker in your head, and it's unhealthy. Remember, those are imaginary people, the ones in your head. Then it's probably time to free your future, or maybe it's like I said, you you get sick on Sunday nights and you can't imagine going to work or, or or whatever it may be. It's important just to have some, Oh, like surround yourself with an accountability person or somebody. Mm I mean, and how would that be helpful?
2: Well, because um, number one, it's not always about avoiding a toxic workplace. You know, that is a final um, decision that's made when you, have to get out of it. But the, a lot of times um, you're able to make an influence where you're at and having an accountability person can come alongside you and pray with you and, and encourage you through that um, for you to be able to see some change and, and help to um, make it a better place to work.
0: You know, I had a toxic, so one of the other things I wrote about the blog is if your health starts to get impacted by your job it's time to free your future. And I had a job. Uh, you, I know you remember this. We won't talk about where it was, but mm-hmm. I had a job where I, I, I was, I was one day driving around Pinellas County and I was making calls and I was on the phone with my sister and I said, man, I just don't feel good. I, I just, I don't. And she goes, you're having a high blood pressure issue. She goes, go get that checked. And so I drove into the local publics and put my arm in the sleeve and the checked and it was 50 points up on both the bottom and the top. And I'm like, Oh, I have an issue. So I went to the doctor and he says to me, uh, Change your job. You need to change your, you need to quit your job or you're going to have a heart attack. And everybody that knows me knows how fast I move. You know, I'm always moving pretty fast, but it doesn't usually impact my, my blood pressure. So, all right. So, have you, what about you? Have you ever worked in a toxic workplace?
2: Oh, well, I think my very first job <laughs> outside of working for my dad, which I loved. And that was a fabulous experience. I used to dust and organize pictures because he was a professional photographer. Um, but I worked in a fast food chain and I had um, some very bad experiences in there where um, management wasn't controlling the things that were being done by the teens and um, they were doing things to scare me and... Um, Really, be inappropriate. Not they didn't ever hurt me or anything like that, but that was toxic, and that was a really bad first experience in a in a um, in a workplace that I had to try to overcome. So yes,
0: and and the bad part about that is that you know both those guys that gave you such terrible trouble had lockers on either side of me, so <laughs> I knew exactly who they were. But the good news was, when you left that job, you went to the donut place.
2: Yeah, that had a lot of benefits. <laughs> so give me a I'd pick
0: Martha up for church. Really, that's
2: why you started hanging around I'd right. pick right? Martha
0: up for church early in the morning on a Sunday, and she would smell like donuts. <laughs> <laughs> that was very nice. It was very attractive. So, you know, and any other workplaces that you think of that were toxic?
2: You know, I think that there's been different departments and different jobs where I've worked that have been um, toxic. And what's fun is when you can rise above it, when you can say, you know what, I may not be able to control how I'm being managed, but I was managing people and I was able to turn that into a great experience for, for the people that were working for me. And um, so that's a situation where within the toxicity, I was able to say, you know what, I'm going to give my experience. Employees a good experience, and I and I tried to do my very best at that.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think about the the jobs that I had even just early on. You know, mm-hmm. when when I moved out of the programming industry and before I moved into the insurance industry, I had that two year stint working for the landscaper, and I I think I was really alike. We still have friends from that job almost yeah. thirty years ago, but it was toxic at times because the guy had a I mean a volcanic temper. Uh, and I had to well, share that was an old with school.
2: That was how people. Got well, and there was managed. dealing
0: with landscapers, and that was <laughs> the assumed
2: <laughs> way to do it. You know, it was a,
0: it was a little yeah. rough. It was a little rough environment, but it was that was a little toxic in that it, there were days where it was just a little scary. But the guy was a big marshmallow inside. That's all it was. <laughs> but but I think one of the questions I asked is okay. We've now owned several businesses. Have we ever created a toxic workplace? And I know that in our insurance agency, when we took over the small agency in southwestern Minnesota that well, I I, I think a couple of things. I had a person working for me in my early years in the insurance business and she made a comment to me one time, Jim, why are you being nice to me? I was trying to help her find a car because she had had a bad car go and and she made a comment to me, Jim, why are you being so nice to me? You know, what you know, basically, hey Jim, you're not very nice to me in the work in the office. Why are you being nice to me out here trying to help me find a car? And I'm like, well, it's the right thing to do. Well, the bad part was that's before anybody told me, hey, Jim, your face should be completely intermingled with what you do on a day-to-day basis. Then I was living a perfectly bifurcated life, which is terrible because we were youth pastors, volunteers at that point in time. Uh, but I also know that I have let my fervency in our work create toxicity at times because I lost my cool. And I've had to apologize for it, you know, and I seriously regret that.
2: Well, but you know what? That is a good challenge for all of us to look at what we do in our workplace and how we are affecting other people because you didn't see it. You were, you know, you. you didn't see what you were doing. You didn't understand that you were even separating the way you were treating people. So um, just a challenge, you know, look at your own lives and uh, we'll look at ours and say, Hey, what are we doing that might be making the the place around me toxic? And what can I do to influence that for the good?
0: Well, one of the things that the book talks about is if, if you're being treated in a toxic manner is to just, just, Address people and say, "Hey, don't talk to me that way. I, I won't be treated that way, and it, it's unacceptable. Uh, don't don't talk to me that way." And for people to know, "Hey, you've crossed the line." Hmm. And, and you know, I never had a hard time apologizing once I realized how wrong I was. I didn't have a pro- hard time apologizing. But some people just will not apologize. And sometimes, if you say something like this, somebody, Paul writes about that in this book, "Rising Above the Toxic Workplace." And when you, if if you say, "Hey, don't talk to me that way." They could become your absolute worst enemy, or they could become your best friend. I mean, I, I as I talked with Paul about earlier, I had many customers who were toxic customers, but the minute you just yelled right back at them, they became your best friends. I, I can think of this one guy named John who had he had, an, he had an RX-7. That's why I remember. It was yellow, by the way. And Martha <laughs> loves RX-8s. So in case anybody ever wants to give Martha a car, she'd like a, a red RX-8. She's not particular in the year, but she'd love an RX-8.
2: It could oh. be the silver, gray, or white.
0: Or you don't like red?
2: Oh, no, I said it could oh, be. Oh,
0: okay, it could be. Uh, I, I, or she'd I like just, a, a, a no, just, firebird with ws W Six package. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, but I remember this guy, and he was just ornery, ornery. I just said, you know what? Fine. If you don't, if I'm not doing something you want me to do, then find another insurance agent because I don't need you talking to me that way. He was my best friend forever.
2: You know what? And I just want to challenge because you weren't really yelling back at him; you were putting a boundary, and you were saying, well, "You know what?" He was what? from New
0: York too. He needed to be talked to. Okay, rough.
2: but you didn't. You're not advocating yelling back at people, but you're saying. Be strong and say to them, you know what? I have a limit here and I don't need I don't I don't need your behavior in my business. And um, I think for a lot of people that will really be a wake up call. Sometimes people don't even realize what they're doing, because how many times have you called a utility company or oh, somebody like, no, 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 no 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 we're not gonna go there okay. but but just the the fact that you've called somebody and it's like you know what it's not their fault they're there to help you the customer service is there to help you but sometimes we just automatically go on the defensive and and make it not a good experience so realizing that giving people an open door in your workplace to say you know what i am giving you permission to let me know when i'm out of line if i'm doing something that's not okay I'm treating people a certain a way that you don't think is acceptable. Please let me know.
0: Yeah, and, and it is so important to be able to have that kind of a conversation with your people in case you ever step over the line. If you're a supervisor, a manager, an owner, be able to tell people, listen, if I'm creating a negative environment, yeah. let me know. As a Christ follower, we have that duty to people. And be willing to change. Oh, yeah, to be willing to change. Absolutely be willing to change. All right, we're talking today about the book, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, written by Paul White and Harold Myra and Gary Chapman. Really a phenomenal conversation, uh, and we've already given away our copy today, but I would encourage you to get a copy of this book, Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, especially if you think you might be in a toxic workplace. And Martha, I think that's where I want to go with the conversation. Okay. How do people identify whether they're in a toxic workplace
2: or not? So is there a checklist in, in the
0: book? In the book, on page 130, there's a checklist, uh, and uh, on this page 130, it is, it's like a quick 10-point checklist. Uh, Check it off. Hidden agendas characterize communication and decision-making issues are not addressed openly. So it's like there's always an underlying tone that you can't figure out, but it's always kind of nasty.
2: Departments seldom work together to reach a shared goal. So there's
0: no teamwork going on. Everybody's against everybody. Leaders have a pattern of saying one thing and doing another. Not what I say. But what I do? No, not
2: don't. Not even that. That's right. I'm gonna do, change my mind. Do
0: what I say, not what I do. How
2: confusing! That's that right. Is. Everyone feels pressured to make things look good, especially
0: when there's customers coming in.
2: So just pretend.
0: All right. The managers view people as they're solely to get. They're only there solely to get tasks done with little interest in getting to know them personally. You're just humanoids.
2: Mm. Supervisors or managers manipulate the team members through embarrassment or anger. Ooh, oh that's a tough one. I
0: have seen that done. It is. Irritating. Very irritating. Well, it when really somebody hurts just, your
2: self-esteem. Oh,
0: it destroys people. Yeah. Uh, apathy, cynicism, and a lack of hope mark the overall work environment. You walk in and it feels like you're walking through sludge. Mm.
2: Rules and procedures are largely ignored.
0: But hidden rules that aren't written are largely endorsed and enforced. So in other words, you never really know what playing field you're playing on. Yeah, that's tough. Employees sense little accountability for their actions and decisions. I'm, keep, I'm confused by that one because does that why well, suppose if it creates toxic because you don't never nobody ever knows hey I can do something naughty I can get away with it
2: right and or if they see somebody doing a bunch of things against the rules and nobody's doing it um, people's are people are used for the organization's benefit and discarded when no longer considered useful. You hear about that a lot.
0: Yeah, just treating people like out. a humanoid. They're not really you're not really a person. But how do you stay sane in this toxic environment? The book goes on on page 142 to talk about, hey, here's some ways to rise above that toxic workplace. When you when you are dealing with a manager that is treating you in a toxic way, don't expect them to respond normally. And I would tell you, because you're listening to this show, pray before you have interactions with these people, pray for your manager. I would tell you, fast and pray for your manager.
2: Oh, that's a good one. Except the fact that you can't change them. Ah,
0: but God can. It's an amazing process. God can do it,
2: and He can change our hearts.
0: Yes, He can. And when you start praying for people, He will start to change your hearts. Set clear boundaries, and this is really, really, really important. That's what we were talking about earlier. We we're going to say, listen, when you start getting treated abusively, when you just say, "Hey, don't talk to me that way. I don't, I, I don't deserve to be talked to that way. It's mm-hmm. inappropriate."
2: Don't accept false guilt. What do you think he means by that? Well, I think being blamed for something that's not your fault or just feeling like you should take the blame.
0: Or maybe it's the boss's fault and he just casts it down to you. Just you know, all, all the garbage right. rolls downhill. Don't don't take it personally. Toxic people are toxic to everybody. It might not just be you. You might just be the low, the closest human being for them to just pound on.
2: I love this one. Get affirmation from functional folks. (laughs) So find somebody that you believe is functional and has a good head on their shoulders and get them to affirm you and encourage you.
0: Well, and and just here's the deal. As we close up this conversation on this book, which was Rise. I read this book first time in 2014, and we got the opportunity to have Paul White come on today. And I wanted to bring attention to it because it's really good because toxic environments, toxic workplaces happen in Everywhere. Churches, nonprofits, businesses, restaurants, governments. I mean, it happens everywhere. And it's so important that we recognize that as Christ followers, we can make a difference. Right. But it's really going to start, it's not going to be with a lot with your actions at first. It's going to be attitude. And you got to start it in prayer. When it's really toxic, you got to rise above this in prayer. It's just a huge deal.
2: It's the first thing you should do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's so easy to get frustrated, get angry, but it's also really important, Martha. We've talked to people about this, where it's just sometimes it's just time to free your own future before somebody turns on you and they're setting you up for failure and they're trying to get rid of you. It, it's time for you to say, you know, I just need to start looking for another job.
2: Yeah, and that's okay, but there's a process to go through, and and he he really helps you walk through that in the book.
0: And you want to make sure you don't go from one toxic mm-hmm. job to the next toxic job. So how do you identify? How, whether you're in a toxic environment or not, you gotta get this book. Rising Above a Toxic Workplace. No, I don't make money promoting the books. I have fun. This is an incredible book. And what I love about it best is it's full of phenomenal examples. Martha, as always, the the show just went way too fast. It did. But I am so grateful that you're always by my side, and I'm just grateful for that. But if you want to get a copy of Rising Above a Toxic Workplace, you you can find it all over the place. But I know you can get them on Amazon.com by Paul White, Harold Myra, Gary Chapman. Get a copy of this book. And thanks for tuning in today. I hope you learned something about your workplace and how you can identify and overcome any toxicity that may be around you. So thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately,
1: I I work work for for him. Him.